0: But the picture of the state lawmakers in New York when they passed the bill where you could have an abortion performed at the point of birth, it was not only the law itself that is hellish and demonic and against life, but what really told the tale of where our culture is is when these lawmakers celebrated the passing of this bill as if they had won the Super Bowl.
1: Hello, and welcome into this special monthly edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, Director of Communications, and this is our monthly update with our Executive Director, Randy Davis. Randy, welcome into Radio BNR.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. It's good to be here.
1: Well, February might be a short month on the calendar, but it was a packed month as far as happenings not only in our own state but around the SBC. And of course, the, the big headliner in February nationally was the SBC sexual abuse uh, report that came out in the Houston Chronicle and just kind of a, a continuous flow of information from that. Just, just from your perspective, what do you feel that, that there, there's a positive that has come out of that maybe or you know, maybe where we need to go as Southern Baptists from there?
0: Well, I think that the subject needed a bright light to be shined on it. I think the fact that any child is abused anywhere under any circumstance is, uh, should grieve us all yeah. to the very core. I think it is hellish. I think it is demonic. Mm. I think the predator that uh, does this kind of uh, deed is going to attempt to go wherever there are children – and um we need to do all we can to help our churches. I I think the if there is any kind of silver lining, the silver lining would be the awareness yeah. of churches to look inwardly at themselves to say are we doing everything we can to be a safe place? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, we recently did a podcast with uh, Vicky Halsey, our children's ministry specialist and William Maxwell, our TBMB business a- administrator. And you know, one of the things that Vicki talks about is that, especially in smaller churches, she often hears, "Well, we know everyone who works with our uh, uh, children and youth." And she throws out statistics that the majority of the predators are actually someone who has a trust relationship with that child. And he talked about the importance of background checks and some of those other things. But that's something we've been we've been working with churches for a while on.
0: Yeah, and and. Uh This whole thing did not catch us by surprise or off guard. It's not like we've had to put together, suddenly, tools to help our churches become safer places. We've been doing that for probably 15 years um, in helping churches uh, just go through a checklist of Mm -hmm. how to make their churches safe. From the time you receive a child into your care, uh, doing background checks on your workers, There's a whole list of things, and we've got some good resources, easily accessible for our churches, that if they would just look at the five or six documents that have been produced and made easily accessible, then they would absolutely uh, become safer if they're not already doing the items that are on these checklists.
1: Yeah, you can find those resources at baptistandreflector.org. There have been a number of articles that were done uh, by Vicky and others over the month of February, that uh, those have, have been compiled and put in one place there. So be sure and check those out. You know, one of the other things that uh, really came out of that was not only the importance of background checks, but just for a church to have a policy in place. And it's not just for children; the policies protect the staff and volunteers and others. Because you've talked uh, about that. You know, we, this is good that the light has shown. But we have hundreds of thousands, possibly millions, of people across the Southern Baptist Convention working in our churches that, that minister to our kids every week, and uh, we want to make sure that they stay safe.
0: Absolutely. You, know, you don't want to put a good person in a position of being falsely accused of something because yeah. of their lack of... Uh, following a protocol that keeps them safe right and so the it's very important that we keep these hundreds of thousands of volunteers that work with our children and youth uh equipped and knowledgeable to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves
1: yeah and you know it you mentioned that also makes me think about just what the, the the general attack that there seems to be on children and babies and uh, you know some of the abortion legislation that's come out in February nationally. Some of the other states, uh, New Jersey, New York. Um, just just talk a little bit about you know the the importance of of protecting that life and and why it's just so important that we Christians make a stand on this point.
0: I think it is on the on one side. We need to be very involved in foster care, adoption, and um, looking at how we can pour our lives into children that are not cared for in our society. The Tennessee Baptist Children's Home has got the favor of the state of Tennessee Mm -hmm. on it without receiving any uh, state funding um, in the foster care arena. And uh, they now have uh, helped churches— that have members that have become equipped and trained in foster care. We now have 80 children wow. that are in place in foster care through Tennessee Baptist Churches. On the other side of the coin, the protection of the unborn, um, we've been in kind of, I don't think we've been in a slumber. It's been an issue, but for years Christians have felt like there's nothing we can do about it in the U.S. Yeah. But the picture of the state lawmakers in New York when they passed the bill mm. where you could have an abortion performed at the point of birth yeah. um, it was not only the law itself that is hellish and demonic and against life but what really told the tale of where our culture is is when these lawmakers celebrated yeah. the passing of this bill as if they had won the Super Bowl Yeah. I did not understand that reaction apart from the evilness of abortion. And um, now there are states, other states that are passing similar laws. I thank God that in Tennessee our lawmakers are looking at certain bills to do just the opposite. And we don't know where those bills are going to flesh out. But I praise the Lord that we have some lawmakers that are taking advantage of the yes-on-one amendment that yes. was voted on by tennessee several years ago to give our Constitution the ability to pass laws that protect life. I saw a survey that was done in Facts and Trends magazine just a few days ago that showed a 9 percent – I think it was 9 percent shift of – from those that were uh, pro-life and those that were pro-choice the pendulum swinging in the direction of the pro-life years ago 40 years ago uh the the doctors and scientists were saying that it was it was just a mass of flesh in the womb that it was not a person As time has passed, God has given us the ability to demonstrate that life really does begin at the place of conception. So it's not just a matter of uh, a woman's right to choose. I think it is absolutely abortion is murder, and we are nearing the place, even after a child comes through the birth canal and is birthed, that at that point— If the child's still living, they can put the child to death in some circumstances, and and that is a godless kind Mm. of culture and society that can do that. My mother uh, suffered with Parkinson's for 20 years, and the last few years of her life were horrible. I think as our culture is going toward, uh, headlong toward infanticide, yeah. they will begin looking at the other end of life yes, they will. and they will begin saying, you know what, that life is too expensive and um, there'll be a great groundswell of support for uh, us choosing when life ends instead of God choosing when life ends.
1: Yeah, and you know we use that expression "slippery slope," but this really is one of those where, when, when a human being is not acknowledged until we, as a society, determine when we acknowledge that, that that really on the front end of life. But then you look on the back end, when we start to determine that that person has no intrinsic contribution they can make to society, then they become obsolete in taking up space, and so. When we start going down that road, which we kind of have done that, especially with this post-post-birth um, bill that's that's you know been signed, um, we really are getting on some dangerous, dangerous ground, especially with uh, you know the value of life. Um, you know, uh, we have n- not only in front of our state uh, some legislations being considered, but Iowa has has signed the um, uh, heartbeat bill and some other things like that. So, you know, praise God, there is some movement towards really uh, putting some teeth in fighting back with with where we are. Um, You know, uh, fortunately, uh, with all that's going on, we were able to just slip away for a couple of days as a TBMB staff and get off to our uh, Linda Valley Conference Center and just focus. You know, we've talked about there's a lot that goes on, but we have a responsibility to our churches, uh, to the ministry the Lord's given us to help our churches be strong. So just as our staff retreated and kind of uh, did some some spiritual reflection and some prayer time – and then just some planning. What are are one or two things that came out of uh, Focus Week for you that uh, you you
0: feel that were just big positives for us? Chris, I think that uh, just like Jesus came apart from the disciples and from the rigors of everyday ministry and routine, um, when we get apart like that, it's just a different dynamic, a different environment. We're fortunate to be able to go to Places like the Linden Valley Baptist Conference Center on the Buffalo River or to uh, Carson Springs Baptist Conference Center over near Newport on English Mountain and have a good relaxing retreat. And uh, it's always a time when we sharpen our strategies and we do things to help our staff become better equipped in serving our churches. The one, My one takeaway from this past retreat as I watched our teams communicate and collaborate and share and just be together was that uh, we've got a great team. Yeah. We've got some people that are really specialists and experts in their field. We can serve our churches in, in such a variety of ways that are beneficial and added value. And the cooperative program and golden offering makes it possible that uh, most of the time these churches have have no kind of fee to pay, it's just that we want to serve them. Right. So my takeaway from this most recent uh, focus week was we've got a really good staff and I'm honored and proud to serve with every one of them.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the golden offering and cooperative program. Uh, you know, February can be kind of that, that month that transitions from after the first of the year and things start to pick up. Um, where do you see where we are with Golden Offering and then with Cooperative Program?
0: Uh, well, Tennesseans have unified around the Golden Offering. In the past five or six years, we've seen the giving through the Golden Offering for Tennessee missions increase by 26 or 27 wow. percent. It's far outpacing. Uh, other similar offerings like that. Every dime of it stays here in Tennessee. It is used for compassion ministries. It is used for leadership development. A large portion of it goes to church revitalization and church planting. And so it's a relevant kind of offering. Been around a long time. Uh, But it it really is growing. It's grown from about 1.4 million roughly to almost uh, 1.9 million. This year we are on pace to come close to setting a record if we do not set a record. So I'm I'm thankful for the way Tennessee Baptists have responded uh, to our golden offering.
1: Yeah, we're just just our goal is uh, just north of two million. And uh, boy, I was just actually in Knoxville yesterday doing a golden offering video for a church plant over there, and. Uh, uh, I mean, they've gone from a Bible study to they have about 160 now coming to church. And so uh, some great things happening in our church planning and church revitalization. On the other hand, we have Cooperative Program, which is our systematic way that we give that supports uh, uh, Southern Baptist missions uh, locally, statewide, nationally, internationally. Just talk a little bit about where we are with Cooperative Program.
0: Well, a friend of mine aptly described uh, the cooperative program as a missions mutual fund. Yeah. I mean, wh- where else can you give a dollar? And that dollar supports missionaries around the world and seminary students and compassion ministries and uh, speaking into the culture uh, and supporting ministries and missions right here at home, like the, like our Tennessee Baptist Mission Board and our Universities and Children's Home, Adult Homes Foundation. Um we are running slightly behind where we were last year in our cooperative program giving, but we're still several percentage points above our budget needs at this point. Um, you know, I, I would like to say this about cooperative program giving. Uh, it, is, it is purely at the discretion of our churches. Mm-hmm. They are autonomous. I appreciate every one of them that participate in the cooperative program uh, giving. Support As a pastor for 34 years, I absolutely made sure that our churches were giving uh, as much as they possibly could. Mm. And two of the churches I pastored here in Tennessee are both uh, have been at the 10% level in their cooperative program support. Uh, But from time to time, there are churches that have uh, some very real reasons that they have to slack off in their cooperative program giving. It may be that they're in the midst of a financial downturn. Mm -hmm. There are parts of our state that are really impoverished, and they're not experiencing an economic boom. boom, They've been experiencing Mm -hmm. an economic bust for the last several years. And then there's sometimes that uh, churches have a disagreement with the direction of the SBC or the uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention, and the Tennessee Baptist Convention, that umbrella that includes the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board and all of our agencies and ministries. Uh, But what we like to do here at the TBMB is just listen, to hear what those concerns are. And I really invite folks to call me up on my cell phone to call my office, and let's just sit down and talk, because if it is a financial crisis the church is in, we may have resources to help them through that, Yeah. to strategize about a stewardship plan to help grow some disciples, uh, and we just want to serve them in in that arena. And uh, we'd like to know when there are some philosophical differences uh, that would cause them to put the pause button on their cooperative program giving. I was just with a great young pastor that had one of those concerns, and we were able to talk through that concern. And uh, so uh, the cooperative program is approaching the century mark. And here at the Tennessee Baptist Churches have given over $1.2 billion through the cooperative program during its history. It is still an ingenious, miraculous plan, and uh, we love talking to people about it to uh, enhance it, to sharpen it.
1: Yeah, we have some uh, resources uh, that are really uh, becoming available. Matt Tullis, our new stewardship and cooperative program, a guy that's uh, putting together some promotional things, some great videos. You can find them right now on our Tennessee Baptist Mission Board Facebook page, but uh, on the tnbaptist.org slash cp site, you'll also be able to find those uh, uh, resources that are up. And these are just short videos. As much as anything, many of them explain what cooperative program means, what it means to be a cooperating Baptist financially for reaching the world for Christ. And, you know, we talk about – uh, many times we've said, anyway, you slice it. Tennessee is a mission field with the international peoples that are here. But um, this really is an opportunity for us as uh, Tennessee Baptists to reach the end of the earth, where we might not be able to support a missionary individually. Collectively, we can support over five thousand. So um, definitely, definitely check those resources out. Um, one of the last big things that hit in the short month of February was we send DR teams all over the nation and all over the world, but we now have a need right here in Tennessee with the uh, flooding that happened over in the Knoxville area and a number of people that have been displaced. Just talk a little bit about what our our DR teams are, are doing there and just the importance of... Uh, Well, it's obviously another way that uh, Golden Offering helps is with disaster relief, but there are some special ways people can help with that. Just talk about how our DR teams have responded, not only uh, outside of Tennessee but in Tennessee.
0: Well, if I could go outside of Tennessee for just a moment, we are still responding in Texas to Hurricane Harvey. We're continuing with the rebuild project there. The same thing of Maria. Uh, After Maria uh, we're continuing the recovery and rebuild effort in the little island of Dominica. In Puerto Rico, we are continuing the rebuilding effort, and I could go on and on about the activities we've had just in the last 12 yeah. months. Our DR people have been responding well to a lot of different uh, needs that are out there. The, flood, the recent floods, the February floods, um, impacted all across the state from Savannah, to Morristown and mm-hmm. Knoxville, Cheatham County and Ultawa, Spring City, Sneedville, Tri Cities. Knoxville was one of the hardest hit areas, and we've had uh, crews working in these areas and setting up to work in these areas for time to come because there was a lot of destruction caused by those floods. By the way, I've been in contact with my counterpart in Alabama, Dr. Rick Lance, and uh, The devastating tornadoes of this past weekend that took uh, the lives of so many down in Mm -hmm. Alabama, our hearts go out to them, we're praying for them, and we stand by ready to help there any way that we possibly can.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the things Wes Jones mentioned this morning is that uh, we'll be looking to send some uh, Tennessee disaster relief teams down to Alabama and possibly over into Georgia. So it has been a very active couple of years with um, disaster relief. I know that we had uh, Baptist Collegiate Ministry teams in North Carolina helping with flood recovery uh, back over Christmas, and we have some, I believe, going over spring break. So
0: That is a bright spot, uh, Chris, the fact that uh, young adults are yeah. being mobilized by the hundreds. Uh, there haven't been just a few teams. There yeah. have been close to 200 kids. Uh, students, university students responding in North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, Puerto Rico, Florida, just this week and next week, over the next few weeks, we've got uh, teams from our BCMs going out.
1: Yeah, and, you know, disaster relief is such a practical way to serve your neighbor while at the same time it opens up so many doors to spiritually impact people. So, uh, again, February was just a, a short month, but a busy month. Uh, March is shaping up to be uh, quite a month. Uh, we would appreciate folks uh, praying for our Baptist Collegiate Ministries. We have uh, a bunch of our collegiate students that will be traveling around the globe, participating in spring break missions, and then you know here in Tennessee, and then uh, in, in other places that have been hit. So, well, uh, Randy, anything else on February that you feel like uh, would be helpful for Tennessee Baptists just to kind of have an idea of where we are, where we're going, and, and uh, you know, what we're looking forward to in this next month?
0: Well, we are absolutely focused. Uh, the the primary, the primary focus is how are we impacting with the gospel of Jesus Christ this mission field mm-hmm. called Tennessee? February is a good reminder that we're always going to have distractions. We're always going to have things provided to us, be they uh, be it a natural disaster or some man-made disaster like the sexual abuse crisis. Mm. But we must stay focused on the Great Commission. There are always going to be things that will seek your attention more than the thing that, that our attention must remain on constantly, no matter what's going on around us. And that's reaching Tennessee with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be doing in March, just yeah. like we were in February. <laughs> in spite of everything going on around us, how can we serve churches that are reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ?
1: Amen. That is a good place to end. Uh, we are definitely praying for churches across Tennessee to reach their communities. And uh, you know, be sure and pray for those in your community. And uh, let's find ways that we can cooperate. Randy, thanks for giving us an update for February.
0: Honored to do it. Thank you for listening to Radio B and podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official
1: news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at Baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio br. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.